0: This is the word of the Lord. Oh, God, we pray that as we consider this a challenging text, that uh, we will have insight and understanding on who you are, who we are, and what kind of relationship you're calling us into with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as always, it's great to see everyone here today. And uh, Margaret, in a particular way, thank you for uh, answering the three questions. Great to see you again across the the sea, across the ocean. And I know Levi in particular was excited. And so if he tries to send you any Latin homework, please uh, tell him you are willing to uh, tutor him, but uh, that he's going to have to do his own work, Levi. Okay, so very exciting about the Latin. Levi's studying Latin as well. So now he knows who, who to come to as the expert. Anyway, we are uh, continuing our fall series uh, together this, uh, this uh, morning called Kingdom Living in a Politically Divided World where we are wrestling with the question of what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in the divided political environment in which we find ourselves today. Now, oh, while we have never taken a poll of political affiliations here in the Advent Hope community, like most communities, in this country there is certainly a lot of diversity. And so we've got to wrestle with this question, not only because we have a community here of diversity, but <laughs> the country is wrestling with these implications. And so how do we function with these political divisions, not just here in the Avon Hope community, but in all of our spheres of association at large? And how do we truly be followers of the kingdom of heaven? And so Let's start again by affirming that uh, a politics, as we talked in more detail about last week, despite the negative associations many of us have with the word, really just describes the activities of government and isn't inherently bad. Or, you know, governments are necessary and government work should be noble work. There are many civil servants and elected officials who are working together to make our cities and our communities function fairly and justly. In fact, uh, next week, we're going to look at Nehemiah, one of the Bible's uh, greatest civil servants. And then the following week, we're going to hear from a friend of Advent Hope who recently won a local election in California and functions as an active member of his local church, but also as a community elected council person. And then, of course, we are reminded of the many other politicians in the Bible, like Daniel, Esther, Joseph, and Nicodemus, who all function as civil servants. Now, our text today, of, of our text of emphasis today is one of the most challenging and yet universally admired teachings of Jesus. And so he starts by using a rhetorical tool to reframe an ancient parab- a, a proverb. Jesus says, you have heard it set, but I tell you. In other words, there is a principle that you have lived by, But in God's kingdom, there is more to understand about the principle. In this case, Jesus is referring to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 8, which says, love your neighbor as yourself. But then he also refers to an extra biblical idea that apparently expressly communicated in the the ancient culture uh, that went something like hate your enemy. So (laughs) love your neighbor as yourself, but hate your enemy. Your enemy, you know, they kind of gave the permission to to hate those who uh, were against you, who were opposed to you. Now, uh, Jesus teaches that this principle is insufficient. Love your enemies and pray for those who per- persecute you. He says. He makes his case for this assertion by saying that God causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. This uh, reminds me of the parable of the wheat and tares that Niagaka spoke about in our previous sermon series on the parables of the kingdom, Uh, and that was last month. I think you can go back online where you will find at least a portion of that sermon in our podcast, and the implication of that sermon is, look, you know, God is God over the whole earth. Uh, He hasn't brought final judgment to the earth yet, and so we should recognize that if God hasn't brought final judgment... We shouldn't either, and so we've got to we've got to be careful about how we treat people. And calling someone an enemy and treating them poorly is just not appropriate, according to Jesus. Now, Jesus is is challenging uh, this command that we only love those who uh, love us or who, are, who are, are 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 close relatives, but that we are called to love even our enemies, and so. Loving those people isn't easy. I mean, loving those who love us, that may be easy, but it doesn't really challenge the sinful human nature that we all have. And it, according to Jesus, is, isn't sufficient for a member of the kingdom of God. And so uh, Jesus then challenges as challenges us as he ends this, this passage by saying, Be perfect. Uh, now, John Wesley famously interpreted john wesley was a a theologian in the uh, 18th century he famously interpreted this call for protection not simply as perfect actions but more expansively as perfect uh, love and this certainly falls in the tradition in which we embrace that jesus here is inviting us to be perfect in our love for each other he's inviting us to love like he loves now the apostle john summarizes the, what Jesus has said in the Gospels in his own book, First John. And this is First John chapter two and verse nine, which I think Levi, we had, uh, we actually had First John chapter four. So let's just hold this, that off for now, that, that the verse slide that was up before. So we're looking now at First John chapter two, where John, the apostle John, goes into a little bit more detail about what Jesus was talking about here in our text of emphasis today. And so John says this, anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Now, some, um, some interpreters of the Bible has inc- have, have concluded that this brother and sister reference is only for um, fellow believers. But um, the more liberal take on this, the more expansive take on this, is that uh, John is not just talking about a brother and sister in, in the kingdom, but a brother and sister in humanity. And this would align with what Jesus has said. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister in humanity is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. And they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Uh, So John is just affirming this idea like you cannot have a hate for someone even for an enemy, and really be a a participant in the kingdom of God. You can't truly be a follower of Jesus and hold hate for another brother or sister in humanity. Hating someone, even a professed enemy, is incompatible with being a follower of Jesus and a participant in God's kingdom. The follower of Jesus is to transcend the ethics of the non-believer. That's according to Jesus. The ethics that only value those who are are respectful. Jesus is saying, we've got to transcend that. My followers will transcend the ethic of only loving those who are good to you. He goes further to say, pray for those who persecute you. So this isn't just uh, praying for people who you don't like or who don't like you, but pray for people who are actively working against you, persecuting you. I mean, persecution is a tough word. And so Jesus' invitation is that we should pray for those who, who do bad things against us, who persecute us. we got to figure out now how we're going to love people, people that we have serious differences with. That's the challenge that Jesus is asserting for us today. This, I think, again, is particularly challenging today when there are so many candidates, if you will, for to be enemies. You know, whenever I go on social media, I am uh, surprised by the potentially new uh, adversaries, if you will, people who have different ideas or different thoughts than, than I might have about, you know, how the world is supposed to work and, or how we're supposed to uh, treat people. And so candidates for enemies, it seems like it's growing the more and more people communicate and, and talk. And so how do we love this love that Jesus is asserting? How do we love people who we oppose maybe in other aspects of our experience? This is a challenge. And yet, a clear and present issue for all of us today. And so we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is it exactly that makes loving an enemy difficult? What's going on in our psyche that creates this challenge of of actually adhering to what Jesus is calling us to adhere to as followers of him? There's a couple, number of responses to that, but a couple I want to share with you today. Firstly, you know, in our human nature, we reserve love only for those who have some who we have some positive association with biological family uh, friends maybe that we have things in common with people within our faith community love is reserved for those who are close to us who are nice to us who do things for us who have done things for us in in the past, that is the context in which we love. And in this context, unless you are really, really messed up, most people have love for someone. There's someone that you have uh, love for. And so, you know, that's the kind of the, the, in our human nature, that's how it works. Like we love for those people that we have some kind of a close affiliation uh, with. Uh, We also, in our human nature, we act with reciprocity. Someone does something good for you, and you do something good for them. That's how the world works, and that's what love is, is uh, rooted in. Like People have done something good for you, and so you do something good for them, and therefore you have love. Conversely, though, somebody does something bad for, to you, and uh, you want to do something uh, bad to them just before our text of emphasis in Matthew chapter five, verses 38 and 39, right before uh, Jesus references this ancient principle. Uh, He says, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. This is the principle of reciprocity. If somebody treats you poorly, then you treat them poorly back, right? That's the way of the world. That's the way of the non uh, kingdom participant. Uh, But Jesus goes on to say, I tell you, Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. (laughs) It is a challenging, a challenging assertion again. Again, in such a time that we live in now where there are so many things that are adversarial to us, this idea of being able to turn the cheek and loving our enemy is incredibly, incredibly difficult. You know, finally, we, we struggle with loving our enemy because in our human nature, we fear that expressing love toward enemy will excuse their bad behavior. You know, there's a fear that uh, feeling love and compassion for someone who is an enemy, let's say the racist or the sex, sexist, as an example, that if we, we love them as we express care and concern for them, that this will excuse what we consider to be their bad behavior. But the truth is, loving someone doesn't excuse bad behavior. In fact, as, Jesus follow, as, as followers of Jesus, we are commanded to stand up for justice and speak out against bad behavior. That is undeniable. But there is a difference between speaking out and fighting for justice and coming to hate and demonize and consider someone as an enemy just because we oppose them. So we've got to Figure out how we are going to have love, even though we might oppose someone and not be afraid that just because you are expressing love and care and compassion, this means that uh, you are okay with the behavior. This reminds us, I actually think, of the ancient prophet Jonah. We'll get into all the story, but you know, Jonah was sent by God. You can read about this this afternoon. Jonah was sent by God to share love with one of uh, his people's traditional enemies. And he did so very grudgingly. In fact, he didn't want to go again. You can read the story for yourself. And the Bible implies that his unwillingness to act on God's command to go and talk to these people is rooted in his concern that God will indeed forgive the people. That God will do a transformative work in them and, and not hold them account for their Bad deeds. And so Jonah is a perfect example of not wanting to share love because he is concerned that bad behavior will not be accounted for. Listen, God hates ungodly behavior. That is clear. But God is amazingly able to look past our behavior at ourselves as people, as humans, as his kids. And so you too can uh, look and have love for someone while also opposing their behavior, their attitude, even their political position that you may find to be incongruent with uh, ethics or whatever. And so, you know, I should note here that if you are in an abusive relationship, uh, you should oppose that that abusive behavior. In fact, if you're in an abusive uh, relationship, you should immediately seek help. And if you are afraid for your safety, you need to seek refuge. Uh, loving someone can still involve opposing their behavior and caring for your own uh, safety. And so uh, Jesus teaches that you can love someone and yet also oppose their beliefs, their practices, and you can also uh, uh, fight against injustice. So we should not be afraid that because we have compassion and love someone, that that means that uh, we, we cannot oppose their ideas or their, their, what they're promoting I wish that I could tell you that Jesus was just being hyperbolic when he talked about the results of this, that not having love for uh, an enemy is, means that, in essence, you're not part of the kingdom. You're not one of his uh, followers. Yeah. Jesus' example, if it means anything, it is that, conversely, well, we have to take Jesus seriously because he himself exemplified this behavior a loving an enemy. This teaching is so radical and yet so poorly executed by Christians that it kind of makes the contemporary usage of the term Christian uh, dishonest. Christians, unfortunately, at least in the Western world, are not known for their love for their enemies. We just aren't. And yet here Jesus is promoting this and not only promoting this, Jesus in his experience actually exemplified this. Uh, Jesus had love for his enemies. You may remember most famously as Jesus is being uh, crucified by by people who opposed him, who by all accounts were his enemies. Uh, Jesus cries out to his father, a, a final prayer, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And then we're told they divided up his clothes. They went about their business continuing to be his enemy. But Jesus, in his moment of despair, one of his many moments of despair, Jesus exemplified all that he had talked talked about for, of having love for one's enemy. And God's love through Jesus, we're told, can empower us as believers to have this kind of love as well. Even and to love one enemy. And so if you are uh, concerned about your own ability to have love for an enemy, have love for an adversary, the good news is that the promise is because Jesus had love for his enemies, we can be empowered ha- with his spirit to have love too. Look what John says again. This is 1 John 4. So we read first 2 earlier. Now we have First John chapter 4. I actually think Levi has this on the screen. He can show you if we get to that. This is First John chapter 4, verse 16. And John says this, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. See, this is the root for everything. God has love for us, and so we know and we rely on that. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because God first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. He has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Again, it's a challenging summary of the same teaching that Jesus himself made in Matthew chapter 5. We must, if we are truly followers of Jesus, have love for our enemies. Jesus had love for his enemies. We are called to have love for our enemies as well. And the good news is, because Jesus has done what we find difficult to do, we can be empowered through his power, to become new creations and to have love for our enemy. This is how it works. Think about the the example of Stephen, one of the early followers of Jesus. The religious leaders of the day rejected his uh, bold public testifying about Jesus. Jesus had ascended, and Stephen was out preaching and sharing about Jesus. And so the religious leaders of the time, they were not excited. And so we read in Acts chapter 7 this, When the members of the Sanhedrin, by the way, the government officials of the day, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious at Stephen and they gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, see, that is our only hope. Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be full of the Holy Spirit if we're really going to have the kind of love that Jesus is calling us to have. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see heaven open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. At this, the religious leaders covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices. They rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. That means, by the way, they picked up rocks of a particular size and they threw them at him. The idea was that they were uh, killing him. The the design was he had in their minds that he had spoken against God and they were going to kill him. Meanwhile... The witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's a different story, but he plays a prominent uh, part in the biblical story. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, listen to this, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Stephen died in much the same way Jesus had, but he also, because he was empowered, the the, the narrative is very clear that he was full of the Holy Spirit. That's the spirit of Jesus because he was full of the spirit. He was able to have love for his enemies, even the enemies who were in the process of killing him. This is supernatural love. This is something beyond any of our capability to conjure up on our own. The spirit of Christ is able to help us to love those who we find to be unlovable. Listen, if you are here today and are like, there is no way I'm going to have that kind of love, you're absolutely right if you're trying to do it on your own. But through the power of the Spirit, Jesus can help us to be transformed. And this is what he is calling for his followers. This is unique. This is beyond human capability. This transcends any ethic that we have on our own. God working in us to help us to do things and be things that we cannot be on our own so that we can express radical, transformative love in a broken world. If you've got somebody in your life right now that you just cannot muster up any love for, you're human. But Jesus is clear. You cannot hate your brother or sister and truly have love for God. And so he offers love beyond the human capacity. If you're thinking how can I have love for someone who actively spews hate or promotes ideas that are fundamentally offensive and indecent? How can I have love for someone who has hurt me? You're not going to do it on your own, but you must do it. You must do it. That's the call of Jesus. <laughs> love your enemies. That means anyone, anyone who opposes you. In fact, you may be struggling right now with, the, with how this is going to come about in your experience, but there is hope in Jesus. Jesus gives us power to do that which we are incapable of doing on our own. Can you imagine in this broken world a group of people who are committed not just to loving themselves and loving people who do good things for them, but expressing radical and transformative love even for those who are wanting to do harm against them? That is true Christianity. That is what God is calling us into. That is discipleship. And that is what Jesus is making clear is essential to being one of His followers. We are implored not to fall for the sin of contemporary sin rooted in the idea of individual rights and above all else. This is not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus rather is a radical supernatural love that brings compassion to everyone, even to our enemies. It's a work that only God can do in us but a work that is essential, essential in this broken and divided world today. And so, as a community and as individuals, may God do this in us. May God give us the power to love even those who stand against us. Amen.